Okay. Uh, how about we discuss this tomorrow at the shop? Okay. Like where, you know, cause you don't want to be dicking around with stuff now. You know what I mean? Like I'll talk to you about that. Well, we already are dicking around about stuff, you know? Right. No, I know, but I wouldn't even know. Like, do you mean for me to do a whole show on my own? I mean to for record you a, to like... do whatever the hell you want. Mm-hmm. You know, because uh, later or next week, I need to have the conversation with Adam because I'm going to be on another podcast next week, wrestling podcast. And typically that records over two days because it's such a dense show. Mm-hmm. So there's a very good chance there's no add-ons with wrestling next week. Ooh. And what I was going to pitch to Adam when I spoke to him on Wednesday was either he and I could record something on Monday. Or I was going to throw it to him that if he wanted to do something, if he wanted to have you on as a goof. Uh, if, he, if I was going to make a suggestion of a uh, uh, like uh, K- David Kincannon from Podvocacy and Wrestling on the Edge of Forever, but I don't know what their chemistry would be, being that they don't know each other. Mm-hmm. But I would throw something out to Adam when we did at odds on Wednesday to see what he wanted to do, just because I'm going to be indisposed Wednesday and Thursday. And it's just like with next week, it's like obviously. We could do month. He and I could do Monday. Tuesday's off limits. Wednesday, Thursday, I'm going to re- be recording the other show, and then Friday is Fourth of July. Right. So I'm going to throw that out to him tomorrow as the test, and it would just essentially be at least this week. If he decides to do something on his own Wednesday, he would he could just drop box it to me, and I could put the show up myself. That's no problem. Right. But with you doing the show when I'm on vacation next month, that's a little bit more intensive. Right. And I have faith that you and your ringtone maker can do it. Mm-hmm. Whether or not you want to is another question. That's It's a possibility. I'd have to maybe figure out what I wanted to do to fill that up. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Because I don't think I would do the format of the show that we do. Right. And that would make sense. Mm-hmm. But maybe I don't know. I'll see if I see if somebody wants to. And what would be what would be if like tomorrow? I'm just using that as a as a date. I found somebody did a you know what whatever Ooh, it would interview. be a, a yeah a time sensitive whatever. It wouldn't be a time sensitive whatever. And just throw it up like give it to you and say hey yep. could you, could you post this at could you set this to post whatever time whatever. And you that know what I mean? Perfect. So at least there's something in the feed. Right. And we then could, we could even do like a dummied um after dark. A dummied after dark like the week before. You know, we could record right. an after dark, record the show, then record an after dark that goes like the following week. Remembering back to the time when we used to do the after darks on a rolling week schedule. Remember that? Well, I hated Fiasco? that. I hated that. That blew my mind. I forget how that came about, but I know we did it for a while. Right. Because I think we did something, something, and then we, and then we, you know how we just sit around talking bullshit. We recorded some, you're like, that's perfect. We need this, need to keep this, but you didn't edit it together. Mm-hmm. You just put the next one out next week, and that put us w- one behind the eight ball, as we used to say. Right. I think that might have been even when uh, Studebaker was doing the show. Yes, it was. Right. I'm going to see him this weekend, actually, by the way. Oh, my goodness. Mm-hmm. You going to discuss anything with him? Or yeah. like, how good it is to see him again? And, <laughs> and how I miss him? Uh, well, I am gonna, I'm going to see a bunch of... Uh, current and former uh, members of the network there, uh, Jared and Ian, who do uh, profane arguments are going to be there. Uh, Brian, of course, who formerly did these. The only thing I'm going to needle him about is in person. I'm going to put the screws to him about getting the old dad distractions back to me. Yes. Just so I could put those in the site. And then like this wrestling. Say that again. This wrestling you're going to, or no, no, no. Um, usually around this time, uh, he he does a thing where he lives in Ohio. His mother lives in Pennsylvania. Here, 
and his in-laws live in New Jersey, and they do a deal where they drop the kids off in New Jersey. They stay in New Jersey with the in-laws for a week. He drives out. The, the wife brings them out to New Jersey. Mm-hmm. She comes home. Then he drives out to New Jersey, brings them from New Jersey to his mother's house, but he gives himself like a day break so that he can go and like have a guy's day. Right. With Jared and Ian. And And you. Right. It's like an afternoon. It's like, you know, they have a couple drinks. I gotcha. Some games are played and uh, pizza gets ordered and no one knows how to divvy things up between more than four people. I gotcha. Yeah. But that's all. I'm just going to needle him in person just to get those dad distractions to me so I could put more stuff up on the Patreon. Mm-hmm. And this is uh, Longbox Heroes After Dark, episode 241. And has been for some time. Oh, good. Yes. Nobody said anything untoward. I have my time markers here. I love your time markers. Yeah. And again, this like secret information. This is the way like a Patreon's supposed to work. It's like, oh, I got that information off the After Dark like two days before everybody else does. That's right. That's super secret information. Right. So there's nothing else really to discuss uh, in the last week other than our Al's Gal stuff, right? I don't. Can you think of anything? Nah, you know, uh, I know you don't really care about the Seth Rollins stuff. You were just looking to make your joke about the potato salad. Yes, and that went further than I thought it would. Well, it was one of those things where I had some time at work, (laughs) and I'm trolling through my phone to see if I still had the images on my phone, (laughs) and I did. Mm -hmm. Because every once in a while, I'll clear out the images on my phone, and I'm like, no, I don't really need this picture of whatever, this screen cap of whatever, or the statute of limitations is gone on this sort of thing. Right. And those I still had, and I'm like, oh, I have like 15 minutes on my break here. I could put together like a little story or whatever. Mm-hmm. A thread. And, yeah, a thread, as the kids say, to get some social media interactions. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, you know, Seth was uh, in the news. He's, uh, he's acting a fool. He's a colorful character. Nah, he's not a colorful character. He's just like, he's being a good company man. Right. It just so happens that a lot of people online hate the company that he's a man for. <laughs> Wait a minute. Isn't the man Becky? Well, that's his, And that's his lady. He's the man's man. Oh, wait. No, he's... that. He's what's-his-face? Uh, Steven Regal? Right, see, there you go. Look, and that, I was going to start singing the theme song. He's a real man's man. You're, see, it, it's, he's a man, such a man's man. And then the whistle blows, toot. You know. So how is uh, British Mr. Fuji involved in all this? He's not involved in any of this. I, actually, British, <laughs> British Mr. Fuji, <laughs> superstar Bill Dundee, is right. wrestling a friend of mine, Joey Janela. On kind of, um, I don't want to say like a parody show because that's a bad way to paint it. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're, it's a lot of this is going to be lost on you in the best oh. way possible. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, I'm sure you've gone to local establishments here in our neck of the woods, and maybe you've seen a poster for an upcoming professional wrestling event of the independent variety. <laughs> right. And sometimes you'll see kind of how slapdash the poster looks. Mm-hmm. It looks as though someone made it, like, with the free program that you get on your computer or possibly their ringtone maker. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, once you get – and again, I can't even say that because, you know, it's like that in Pennsylvania. But once you get into, like, Virginia down to Florida – that's how all wrestling posters are for the most part. Right. And it's not for, like, a sake of irony or anything. It's just the way things are. hmm Whereas, you know, the bigger, higher-end independent companies, they're going to have a logo, and they're going to have, you know, clear, updated pictures of people that are <laughs> for, on the show, and it's going to clearly state when and where the show is and how you could get the show and all these things, Right. There's very little confusion. 
so as part of all of this, uh, the, one of the companies that I did stuff for, uh, Game Changer Wrestling, is doing a conjunction show with a previously defunct Tennessee wrestling promotion called Wombat. Now, I don't know what Wombat stands for, but British Mr. Fuji, as you call him, Superstar Bill Dundee, <laughs> is wrestling on the show because he is one of, you know, he's one of the big draws in the greater Tennessee area. Right. And I got to see if I could find the picture of the poster for that show. They have the one up of Doug Gilbert and uh, Mance Warner, which again would be lost on you. And see, that's, see, this, this one is too classy of a photo to send you. Okay. Because th- this is like almost a poster that makes sense. It, it works better when it's one of the, the jib jab slapdash posters. Right. It looks like a collage. Yeah. So I'm going to send you this. I'm even ready. I opened the window so I could see it when it comes true. Okay. Then I'm going to see if I could find the better picture. And then we're going to get to Al's gals here shortly, I promise you. Oh, look at that. Let me click on that. Hmm. It's taking forever to load. I don't know why. Because a big, giant picture. It is. It's taken... Ooh, okay. Took me right to a Twitter thing. Wombat. Oh my god, he that's not British Mr. Fuji. That is absolute on the right. Not the, on the, on the Oh left. yes, I know he's not on the left. That <laughs> that guy is like an aged prince backup dancer. <laughs> that's what that is. There's no where's where's the, the, the you know the, the Windsor knot and the, the, the bolo hat? Like that's not British Mr. Fuji. That actually is British Mr. Fuji, as you like to call him. And let me see if I could find the other picture, the more. Because he drives around Memphis, Tennessee with like, uh... oh, here's his car. This is what I was looking for. <laughs> oh, my God. Is is it the Black Beauty from uh, Jim Clarinet? No. Look at you knowing the names of things. <laughs> the only reason. Oh, my God. It sent me a big picture of a G. Okay, we're going to try this. Let me know if um, that works. Yeah. Uh, oh, my God, no. That just sent me to... Okay, okay. Wait, no, I think I got it. There's a, does it have, like, his all his information on the side of the car? Yeah. And a... Oh, my God. That See, this car here with Bill Dundee, a.k.a. British Mr. Fuji, that car is nice, but if that was a van... Right. With, like, a teardrop window in the upper left-hand corner... That would be better. I, and I, I like. Dig- <laughs> I do I, like the clear, concise website. Yeah. Bill hyphen superstar hyphen Dundee hyphen Enterprises dot com. That's so you can write it in while you're passing them on the right. highway. Well, I don't know. I hope it's on the because I'm looking. Is it on both sides of the car? Because that's only the passenger side. If I would assume it's on both sides of the car. Because that's great when you're parked. You know, on the curb there. That's curbside. But you want the driver's side, too, so. Now, every picture that I'm finding of it only shows it on the passenger side. Mm-hmm. So I can only imagine that possibly he may have only sprung for it just on the one side. Well, I just found a I just found a driver's side pick. Oh, okay. So he does have the, you know, the reverse angle on the it, other side. It would not be past the superstar to only do one side and not the other. What? way he can hide from the cops he can turn the car one way and they won't know but gcw is doing some interesting stuff with a show like that and then on fourth of july they're doing an event at an undisclosed location mm-hmm. that is being advertised as a backyard wrestling show and all the guys that are current wrestlers for them are wrestling in their old backyard gimmicks oh It's a fun idea. I think it might be, um, I don't know if it's going to be on the old uh, independentwrestling.tv, but I know that uh, I've been harassing poor Jerry to wrestle the show as in in one of his many backyard wrestling gimmicks. So, like, what are backyard wrestling gimmicks? Like, somebody's, uh, you know, a folding, like, you know, uh, pool chair and another person's, like, all these things that are in a backyard? Yeah. Okay, that's see, you. You are a little too old for backyard wrestling. Mm-hmm. Mo- most people would be if you have a t- trampoline. We're just going to do wrestling moves on it. 
Oh, okay. And then us doing wrestling moves on it evolves into all of our friends doing wrestling moves on it to all of us doing becoming wrestling. Oh, like okay. having our own gimmicks and doing our own whatevers. Right. And then wrestling broke out. And then wrestling broke out. Yes. <laughs> right. So it's all these guys that are in various uh levels of wrestling success are doing their backyard wrestling gimmicks for the show. Like there's a guy who wrestles currently whose name is KTB, aka Kyle the Beast, mm-hmm. who hails from the woods. That's his uh, like you know when they say hailing from you know music Pennsylvania. No, he's from the woods. Oh, and I just I there's a uh, there's I have a wrestling idea I want to run past you too before right. we get to Al's gal. So, and, and I'll just finish, finish up. This, right, I'll just finish this. Uh, so he then says, uh, or then his backyard gimmick was that of Kylie Smiley. Mm-hmm. And they have the picture promoting the show of him, and he looks to be about 12 in the picture. <laughs> right. And uh, also to promote the show, it says trampolines, mattresses, lawn chairs, boombox, fuckery. Oh. So the, the only thing that. It's going to be fun shows. The only way it could be better is if they spelled trampoline, trampampoline. Or trampoline. Trampoline. Yes. That, Speed of which, I'm a dope because Thursday is the 4th of July, not Friday. Doe. Okay. All right. So I need to contact those people that I'm doing that show with this week. So what's your wrestling idea before we get into Al's Gals? Right. I, it's, a re, it's, a, it's, a get, it's a get poor slowly scheme. Right. Where we, it's not even anything to do with wrestling. We are going to become manufacturers of wrestling rings. Mm. Like that's our, that's our, that's our, and the only thing that's going to be about it is the name of the company is what's going to push it. We're going to be, we're going to be very wrestling rings. So we get all the free promotion all the time at any show when a wrestler goes tonight in this very ring. And there we go. Very ring. It's a trademark name. And if they use it, it better be our ring. Boom. Billion dollar idea. Okay. So it's a good idea, but there's a lot of work involved in that. What? I think we could build wrestling rings in our spare time. You think so? Mm hmm. I'm going to say no. <sighs> All right. If anybody out there, maybe, maybe, uh, Maybe Jerry wants to get in on this with me. Hmm. Yeah, you give Jerry a call. I'm sure he's not busy. <laughs> Come on, that's a great idea, though. This very wrestling ring. Nah. There you go. It's, it says very right on the side. We could even, like, spell it V-A-R-Y to give it some, like, flair. Oh. <gasps> Woo. One of the turnbuckles has Spectrox in it. Guess which one? <laughs> oh, quick, hit my face on it several times. Uh, and I'll breathe in deeply. I don't like cocaine. I just like the smell of it. I could do as much cocaine as I want and never get addicted. That's right. Oof. All right. So Al's gals this week, huh? Yes. Okay. So top of the heap is the show that we uh, discussed, which was the hundredth episode of Married with Children. And I forgot a lot about this as we discussed last week how I thought that this like was a seamless transition from an episode of Married to Children to the first episode of Top of the Heap. I forgot how this essentially just was an episode of Top of the Heap with one and a half Al Bundy scenes tacked onto it. Right, pretty much. And uh, and apparently uh the two characters, the father and the son, were previously on Married with children. So this wasn't their first appearance. Right. And I think we had discussed this before as well. Okay. I forgot. That the father, Joseph Bologna, a famous Mm -hmm. character actor, was on the episode earlier in the season where Al had the song stuck in his head. Mm Mm-hmm. Him. Right. And he was just like random Al Bundy schmuck friend. Right. He comes in for a second, tries to help him, and then leaves. Right, and then uh, Joey Tribbiani was in an episode earlier that season as well. Like, a, like I, I would assume, just based on the episode title being a part one of part two, where Kelly leaves to go to find fame and fortune in Hollywood. 
Right. So it's like, hey, these are just like, because there was always that. Like, here's a random character that just pops up on a show, and maybe they're out around for one episode, or like maybe they're like a one-off. Maybe they're a semi-recurring character. Sometimes they're a recurring character, or they become like a regular retur- recurring character, kind right. of like Urkel. Well, okay, yes, Urkel is the perfect example. I was going to say how Fonzie was, because Fonzie wasn't the star of Happy Days. It was supposed to be about Richie Cunningham. Right, but then everybody loved the Fonzie. So that's where it was. And it was, the plan should have worked seamlessly, because it was essentially, hey, do you like married children but hate women? (laughs) <laughs> because there's none in this show. Well, there is. Yes. There's what's her face? Uh, I forget the, the actress's name. She shows she's a bigger part in the later episodes. Where don't you want a jailbait character that we could all lust over? Even though she's probably old enough, she's over eighteen. Was the character who was always after uh, Vinny? You know what I mean? Right. Uh, Joey Lauren Adams, who at first I didn't recognize because she wasn't doing the voice. Right. Because she kind of has a very distinct voice, if you've ever heard her, when she popped up in Mall Rats or Chasing Amy or any other Kevin Smith project. I know she's been in other stuff, but that's like the first things that come exactly. to my head when I think of her. And she shows up, and yes, she does look very young. And I think I read uh, Kevin Hellions over on his Team Hellions website always does like a compendium write-up to the Al's Gals episodes, and I do appreciate him doing so. But he did mention at the time of the filming, she was 20 playing 17. Which is fine. Right. And again, you know, listen, 17 in Chicago, you know, we were talking before of this, this sh- all they had to do was just say, hey, instead of taking place in Chicago, it takes place in Memphis, Tennessee, and everything <laughs> would be okay. Exonerated. Ex- exoner- what is it? Exonerated. Uh, felon? No. What was? No, it was. Uh, well, he was. You know, I I forget what it was. It was just your wife going. You know, well, he's this, and you were like exonerate. <laughs> That's all you kept saying. He was exonerated. I was like, right. it cracked me up. It just. Oh. So right, we get the introduction to her, and like she has her one minute scene. Mm-hmm. She does her best Kelly Bundy kind of like, even though she's jailbait. You know what I mean? Right, like, right. And that's what it was. It was essentially they're like, "Hey, you like Merida children? Here's two Merida children's. Copy an A, get an A, right?" Uh, sometimes. Right, but they didn't quite copy everything. You know, right, well, they're. Here's- Here's my take on it, because you're exactly right. I feel that this was a Married with Children episode, and they're like, well, we're going to spin Joe Bologna and Joey Tribbiani off into, you know, a top of the heap. And they just wrote those extra bits at the end and beginning for Al. And it was basically that was a bit that Al was going to do with Bud and get him married to a rich woman. And they were like, just, uh, uh, you know, uh, just you play Bud and you play Al. And, and they, they just try, that's all it was. There was no changing. There was a little bit, you know, obviously I had to change it because, uh, what's your face isn't Kelly Bundy, but I look at it as, because all the dialogue that, uh, Joe Bologna sputters is literally stuff Al Bundy would say, but he doesn't do it with the charm that Ed O'Neill has. Right. And that's, and that, okay. So that's the main thing that's missing from the show. The charm mm-hmm. as, t- as whatever you want to say about married children is misogynist, uh, bottom feeder, uh, you know, low, low brow, whatever it is, mm-hmm. they have charm. Mm-hmm. Al had charm. Peggy had charm. And that's really about the end of it. The kids were kind of reprehensible. Except every, like, maybe like two episodes a season, they would give Kelly and Bud a conscience. Mm-hmm. But other than that, at the end of the day, Peg and Al, your main characters, had charm. Joe Bologna had no charm. Joey Tribbiani didn't find his charm yet. He has he a did- look. He could mm-hmm. play a good second banana, but he needed that first banana be able to play off of. Exactly. The way I looked at it is Ed O'Neill was the lovable loser. Joe Bologna was abrasive. Mm -hmm. And then, like you said, Joey Tribbiani, he doesn't, he's, his, his, that bit needed to cook until friends. And that's where it came to, you know, its full potential. 
was like it wasn't ready yet but then like because there's no difference between him and the character on, on friends there's none where he's doing the joke where he's trying to remember what the philosopher said i'm like put that in any episode yep. of friends and you're good to go now i don't know what uh and i keep calling him joey Tribbiani, but i don't know what matt leblanc's like acting background was Right. And by that, I mean, like, Lisa Kudrow was big in, like, Second City and improv and all this other stuff before she got the role of Phoebe. Uh, you know, Courtney Cox and Jennifer Aniston both kicked around Hollywood in, like, low-rent movies, depending on what you consider low-rent, from Masters right. of the Universe to the first Leprechaun movie. So Don't they were, like, about Bruce Springsteen videos. Okay, and Bruce Springsteen videos. <laughs> but they were working actors and actresses. Mm-hmm. And, like, I think David Schwimmer as well. Like, they were working actors and actresses, trying their hand at movies, trying their hand at a bunch of different things. And one could, you know, maybe safely say that them doing Friends was them kind of giving up on a film career. Right. Whereas Matt LeBlanc, on the other hand, was in a few things here and there. He was on some TV show called TV 101, and it was, like, bit parts here and there. He was... Mm -hmm. And, like, he had, like, a two-issue run, a two-issue, two-episode run on Just the Ten of Us. Uh, then he was in, like, a TV movie. Then he was in another TV movie. Then he was, like, an, a, a featured person in a bunch of, like, music videos, right? Like the Courtney Cox routine. Mm -hmm. Then he gets Top of the Heap. And then that leads him into, you know, Vinny and Bobby. Uh, and then, again, he's in a ton of videos after that. Like, he's in Bob Seger videos and Rembrandt's videos and Alanis Morissette videos and Bon Jovi videos again. You know what I mean? Right. So he's in all this stuff, and then all of a sudden, Friends hits. Right while those are going on. So it, it seemed as though Hollywood had, like, something in their mind for him, and they were going to try. Kind of this pattern feels as though what Hollywood's pattern was for Cameron Diaz. Right. Where Cameron Diaz was discovered and we're like, we're going to make her a star. Okay. And as big as a deal as The Mask was, a lot of the early uh, trailers and everything else like that were focused just as much on her as it was Jim Carrey and all that other stuff. Mm-hmm. Because that movie was being filmed while Ace Ventura was, like, in the cycle to come out, starring Courtney Cox as the female lead. It's all coming around together, you know? Mm -hmm. It was like she, Courtney Cox does Ace Ventura. It's like, well, my movie career is over. Let's see what TV has to offer me. You <laughs> That's know? right. So they tried with Cameron Diaz. And I think the mask was supposed to be as much as a launching vehicle for her as it was for Jim Carrey. But the problem was Ace Ventura ends up being the launching vehicle for Jim Carrey in the movies. Mask comes out. She's overshadowed. And then they kind of like put Cameron Diaz in mothballs for like two years. Like you don't see her in anything. Because they want you to forget that she ended up playing second banana to Jim Carrey in this movie. Then they bring her back as like a brand new star. Like, oh, forget about her being in the mask. That was way back then. Now's her coming out party. And I feel as though they were, Hollywood was trying to do the same thing with Matt LeBlanc, like TV show and TV show and videos and all this other stuff that they did with Cameron Diaz. Whether or not they did this with Cameron Diaz, whether or not they really did this with Matt LeBlanc, that's the vibe I get from their career trajectories. Well, the way I look at it was uh, Matt LeBlanc didn't become a star until 1996 when he starred in Ed oh, as that's Jack right. Deuce Cooper coming off this, the failure of Dunstan checks in Hollywood decided they needed another monkey movie mm -hmm. a year later and did Ed. And I think, you know, that was the make or break moment. After that, he was, he was done. Like you literally look at like Ed as the movie. And I don't think he was in, like a movie after that, other than like he had a bit part and all uh, with Cameron Diaz in the, in the uh, Charlie's angel movies. He was in those. Right. So I find that movie, but the, the low point of his career, the low point of his career is he was executive producer on the Jonah Hex movie. Oh boy. Yep. I'm looking over his filmography and it's like, <laughs> 
there's Charlie's Angels, all the Queen's men, Charlie's Angels, full throttle. And it's like actor, actor, actor. And then it says Jonah Hex, not not applicable. He was an executive producer. <laughs> I'm like, oh, God, kill me now. Oh, boy. But yeah, just so just getting back to the Cameron Diaz thing. So like the mask is her first credited role. Mm-hmm. And then she's in a bunch of, eh, let's say, kind of artsy stuff. Uh, an Ed Burns movie called She's the One, uh, a Keanu Reeves, like, lower-end production thing called Feeling Minnesota, but those both come out two years after The Mask. From 1994 to 1996, it's a ghost town. Mm-hmm. And then 1997, she's like, oh, she's third friend down on my on, in my best friend's wedding. She's credited as blonde TV reporter in Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. Oof. Right. You know what I mean? And then 1998, something about Mary, and then we're off to the races. She's a superstar. That's right. She's in very bad things. <sighs> anyway. We're off the tra- we're off the track here, but it's just because this show was kind of a nothing. And, and Todd, you mentioned it the best. It was like here is a rejected A story for married children. Like one of the writers had that plot on their desk. Al tries to marry Bud into high society, right? And somebody's pitching that at the end. It's like, all right, guys, season three is over. What do we got for season four? What ideas have we got? And everyone's like. Oh, you know, Al forgets the lyrics to a song. Perfect. We can get 22 minutes out of that. Oh, what's this? And what's this? What's this? And then that guy from season one is keep pitching. Bud gets married into high society by Al. And we're like, ah, get out of here. Get out of here with that. That's not, that's too flimsy, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then they turn it into the, the pilot for Top of the Heap. Because, like, whatever the logic was, it's like, ah, nobody would believe Al and Bud would do that. Or nobody would, like, Bud would try to be Grandmaster B. Or, you know. Grandmaster B. You know, something like that. Or, like, Al's, like, Al's too. Because, and that's the thing, you know, we talk about Joe Bologna. And Joe Bologna is a loser. But he's a miserable loser. And even though Al is a miserable loser, he had a bit of physicality to him. He had heart, too. Okay, so he had heart. But, like, when... Al would try to do something. He would give a look or we'd have some sort of physicality with his body that would show vulnerability. Mm-hmm. Joe Bologna gave off no vulnerability. I gotcha. Like the best way to put it is I saw like the creators of married with children say they knew that Ed O'Neill was Al Bundy when like he came to read for the part and they're like, all right, you're at the door and you're coming home be Al Bundy. Like, you know, like, you know what the, the sitcom is and everything. And they said, Al, uh, Ed O'Neill walked. He's like, there's no door. There is an imaginary door. And he's about to put the key in the lock. And he just goes, he just like sh- slumps his shoulders and goes like, oh, I'm home. You know what I mean? Like, this right. is, this is terrible. And then he comes in and he comes in like, you know, a fat woman clip clopped into the shoe store today, you know? And he's like, and they're like, that was my old man. A like he was a guy who thought he was going to be something and then was broken by life and everybody could relate to being broken by life. But you want to see Joe Bologna fail. Cause he's a jerk. Okay. If now that's to we, me the difference. We never got to that point of that thing that Joe Bologna had. And obviously the pieces were there that the, the uh, that Joey Tribbiani was a boxer, but he wasn't very good. Mm-hmm. And maybe Joe Bologna himself was a boxer, but he knocked up some broad and he got stuck with the kid. And now he's trying to live vicariously through Joey Tribbiani. Like the pieces are there. Mm-hmm. They'd never come out and say it because the show only gets six episodes after this. <laughs> right. But the pieces were there. I don't think Joe Bologna was the right fit for this part. No, they needed the guy from Unhappily Ever After which was the show that the guys from Married with Children went to do on, like, UPN or whatever after that with Courtney Cox and Bobcat Goldthwait. Now, see, you said Courtney Cox. You're thinking of Nikki Cox. Nikki Cox, yes, who was in a wrestling TV show with Will Sasso. That Kevin Nash and Macho Man were on. Oh, amongst many those others. episodes. They, There's your... They were in bed, the unhappily ever after people, even though they were on UPN, which would later become like a WWE whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, WBUPN for unhappily ever after, they were in bed with WCW. So they were getting like those guys as their right. guest stars. There's your, there's your, uh, 
plot for like upcoming uh, ATODs with wrestling shows is watch Nikki. There you go. Now, and I'm looking at this here. Now, and I think he might have been, I'm trying to think who is a contemporary of Joe Bologna that would have worked in that part better. Andrew Dice Clay. I don't think now this is another thing is that Dice Clay, unfortunately, was on the outs with the Married to Children people. They were in the Sam Kinison camp. Oh, well, Sam, was Sam still around by this? Um, Was Sam? I think this was very close to uh, the time of Sam's passing, if I'm not mistaken. Because this, uh, you know what? Actually, this aired in April of 1991. Sam died in April of 92. Um, we need the guy who played uh, in the Tortellis. That's who we needed. Yes, uh, Dan Hedaya. <laughs> That's who you needed for Top of the Heap, Joe. Mm-hmm. Now, I will say this. Um, it would have been a little bit more costly of a thing. And he's absolutely would have overshadowed everything on the show. And there's no way he would have been able to do a re- regular sitcom. But we'll get into that shortly. Rodney Dangerfield would have been perfect in this. Oh my! Okay, can we just say one caveat though? Rodney Dangerfield is perfect in everything, right? So, um, okay, so Rodney would have been good, and I, I say maybe Rodney wouldn't want to do it, but around this time, Rodney was pitching the animated sitcom of Rover Dangerfield, where <laughs> yeah. he was the voice of a cartoon dog, right? And I bring that up only because that was one of those things. Where, I don't know if you remember, sometimes they would just put a pilot on as a one-off, kind of with little to no fanfare and just to hope that something would happen. Right. But no, so, okay, actually, Rover Dangerfield was the animated feature of this, because they did it, they definitely did a TV show that was uh, Rodney as a talking dog. Mm-hmm. And then that became the animated ser- the animated feature Rover Dangerfield, which came out actually in 1991. So Rodney probably would not have been above doing this. No. Now again, might, and I don't want to say it's stunt casting, but maybe we're going a little bit higher than a Joe Bologna type. And then now we're mixing, and again, I don't want to say ethnic ethnicities, but you'll get what I'm saying, Jackie Mason. Oh, Jackie Mason. Was you have that? Jackie Mason as the dad. You have Matt LeBlanc as the son. Oh, I got your actor, but go ahead. Okay, and yet you do a thing where it's very obviously that, you know, where in the gene pool do these two cross? And you have it be clear that it's his son, but it was because his wife was messing around with him. Right. But he still shows, like, that familial bond. Yeah, I grew up with him. He was in my house. I had a roof over his head. You know, the whole Jackie Mason spiel. And uh, then you run into the jokes, and people are like, he's your son? And they're like, no, he's my twin brother. You know, you get jokes like that in there. (laughs) You know, the thing writes itself. Again, Jackie Mason is someone who's a little bit more schlubby. He's a Mm -hmm. smaller in stature person. You could see him having a little bit more heart or a little bit more character to the role. So who's your thought? My first of all, my uh, my my son actor is maybe like in the nineties, Joey Lawrence. There you go, okay, That's Joey Lawrence, and then like he's a whoa and everything like that. Now his father, you'd have to change the first name of the character in the show to Tony. Oh, and Tony <laughs> motherfucking Danza. That's his father. There, there's your gold show, your gold standard at Fox. Now, see, I think, I don't think Tony Danza would slum to a Fox property in the 1990s. Right. I think he would hold out for an ABC script like my pitch of Under the Sheik where he runs a garage (laughs) next door to the Iron Sheik. And also has a sassy black kid in the show for some reason. Right. But unless I'm mistaken, I think Joey Lawrence was in the throes of uh, Blossom at this point. So to pull him out of Blossom would be a big get. It would be, but I'm just Tony Danza though, as the father that there's your, there's your lovable, uh, you know, American Italian American actor, right? There. I say, you still, no I say you still go uh, Tony Danza. You make it an ABC show. You class it up a little bit 
and you still keep Matt LeBlanc as the son, and you go more the boxing route. Because at this time, let's say 1990, 91, boxing is kind of hot. We're like in the throes of Mike Tyson sort of stuff, going into Vander Holyfield, Riddick right. Bowe, this sort of thing. So boxing is a hot thing. And of course, Tony dances in a show. His name's Tony. Boxing has to be involved. And you do the whole gimmick where it's like, uh, it's Rocky meets Married to Children or something like that. There's your elevator pitch, right? Right. Then you want to get some cachet. Just make it a spinoff to Taxi and he's Tony Banta again. And then you could have like, you could have like Danny DeVito come in every once in a while. Like just, you know, start your, your TV cinematic universe back in the nineties. Right. Or even further still, you get your, you, you have it be a, you know, years later Taxi spinoff. Mm-hmm. You have it be more in the world of boxing, and not only do you get the people from Taxi to come on the show, your Christopher Lloyd, your Danny DeVito's, uh, your Judd Hirsch's, but because you're a high-prestige show at ABC, Buena Vista, going into the Disney world, you can convince some old boxers to come on the show. Now, we lead into the George Foreman show, which actually was a show, oh. and now you've got your cinematic universe. That's, you know what? If we had a TARDIS and, you know, some contracts, we'd be, we'd be millionaires. Uh, again, uh, these, the, and it's just, it's bad because, like, there's really nothing to top of the heap. It's a very standard boilerplate, marital children, rejected storyline. Right. Because every network was trying to get their next marital children type thing, but nobody was, uh, nobody was willing to go to that step. To, to do what Married to Children did. Top of the Heap attempted to, but they had the wrong lead. They did. But you know what? The networks weren't ready to do that yet. Mm-hmm. They were still too classy. You know what I mean? And by that time, the time that they had decided to, you know, get down in the mud, Fox had the stranglehold on everything. Right. You know what I mean? Like right. they, didn't, they didn't start getting down in the mud until like nine. Like it was after Seinfeld was done, after Home Improvement was done, after mm. Friends was done, or like these shows were like in their dying days. Right. Um, like I would say like 95, 96 is where the big three networks started to try to be like, all right, let's kind of do our raunchy, like, let's do our version of a raunchy show. Not even to be, not even trying to be funny without a previous Alex Gals. Even when they had, we, we mentioned them before, when they had the Tortellis, they had the dirtbag character and they spun them off and then they're like, well, we kind of maybe have to, you know, you know, shine them up a little bit. We can't have them be as dirty dirtbag as he is. So like, like they, like they said, that was them trying. And I think we even discussed it when we did the Alice gals was like, this was their shot to try and horn in on all that married with children, Fox type of programming. Right. But, and the thing that I, just to, to talk about married with children, honestly, like, cause that's really the only, like, even in this little bit, like Ed O'Neill shines as Al Bundy. Like there's oh, a few yeah. times you're just like, you immediately get it. And I look back and I'm like, how good Married with Children was for years. I'm going to go. Like, my toxic masculinity loved that show growing up. I'm not I'm not going to lie. So I still watch it occasionally on cable in the morning. I don't know if it's on exactly anymore, but before I'd go to work. And I'd be cracking up. And I still think to this day, like, uh, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia is just like a direct descendant where Al was always calling Marcy a bird or a chicken. Like that whole, that whole thing is just stolen with D like you're a chicken, you're a bird, but they don't, they just, they don't even have the nuance of married with children of the great jokes. They're just, we're just going to call you a bird over and over. And it's going to be funny every time. So like there are, you know, descendants of married with children that work very well to this day. Right. And you mentioned about the toxic masculinity of, of it or whatever, but at the end of the day, Al was portrayed to be like the clown. Mm-hmm. And all of his masculine views were like stupid, right? And you know, at the at the end of every episode, Al was right back to where he was. But as you mentioned, the jokes were in there, and people can shit all over like Dice's stand up act or Sam Kennison's stand up act or Meredith Children, as we're talking about here, is like crass or whatever it was. But underneath that, they had some really good jokes and like. Mm-hmm. 
clever ways because you could only do the joke of the toilet flushing so many times. Right. Or you could only do whatever that joke is of calling Marcy a bird so many times before you have to figure out a creative way to do it. Exactly. And that to me, that was the downfall of uh, Married with Children was when, because if you remember, Al was, you know, the foil and he got he got his comeuppance. But Marcy did, too. Like, Marcy was a terrible person. And then later on, Marcy became like she always won. She never lost. Do you know what I mean? And that to me was when when uh, the, the 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 show changed. That she she always got over on Al, and and every couple of episodes she'd get her her comeuppance. But I always felt she was a terrible character too. And at some point, and she became a director and, and stuff like that on the show. That she started making her character a little, you know, like I'm going to win, and I didn't like that because. Like you said, in the end, like none none of these people were were any good. There was none of them. You know what I mean? And that's what I liked about it. Right. So, so sad to say, top of the heap, doomed to failure. Unfortunately, I couldn't find the pilot episode of Vinny and Bobby uh, that we were looking for, which was them again trying with Matt LeBlanc, essentially taking the same character and moving it over to its own show where he was the lead surrounded by a bunch of other goofy characters. Right. And, and it always... was, and that's the thing. It was great comedic, com- like it was comedians. It was great comedic characters. Um, and I, I, the one guy was, uh, his name's Will Panette. He was a comedian. He was like yep. a big fat guy. Yep. And I can't remember the name of the actor's name, but you would know if you heard his voice, he's got one of those distinct voices yep. and he's one of those, like, I know, like, I know that guy, type actors right but they had featured roles like they were like the schlubs on the construction site and it was a very cheap looking show as well like when we talked about the tortellis mm-hmm. and uh what were the other shows where it looked like it was like three sets right where you had like where they blew their budget on uh the opening credit sequence of Vinny and bobby and do yourself a favor if you can and there's episodes of Vinny and Bobby out there but they're just kind of like oh here's one episode of Vinny and Bobby and we're just gonna loop it three times in this hour-long video right right but like not in any sequential order and the commercials are still in there and that (laughs) sort of thing but if you could find the one that has the elongated opening of Vinny and Bobby the opening credits that's where all the money for the production went to because after that, there's three sets on the show. There's the bar that they go to that's underneath the apartment that they live in, the mm-hmm. apartment that they live in, and then the construction site. And the construction site is just the frame of a house. Right. And then they save money on the apartment because it's the, the apartment from top of the heap. Right. So they didn't have to like, hey, we get to, we get two new sets. We got the budget for two new sets, but we got to keep the old apartment. And didn't they keep Joey Lauren Adams for a little bit too? Yes. So they had her. And then I think even Christina Applegate appeared on the show once or twice. I know she appeared on, uh, Top of the Heap twice. Okay. Then maybe I was thinking Vinny and Bobby once, but she I could know. have been on Vinny and Bobby, but I know she was certainly on Top of the Heap twice. Right. So like, you know, like there, they were, but the, the opening, like we said, is one of my favorite things ever. Cause it's a failed, uh, movie, uh, like a, like a, a, a student who went to, uh, cinema college just failed and he has a handheld and he has like a wind machine for a minute and a half that he gets to use. <laughs> and it's like, let's just walk around the streets and just, just gorilla, you know, film stuff that's go. It's, it's. The saddest thing is when I found out we couldn't do Vinny and Bobby and we couldn't do the opening. I was like, that's, it's so bad. It's so, so bad. And I think Vinny and Bobby ended up with more episodes than Top of the Heap, if I'm not mistaken. I think they both had the same. Because I'm, both... ca- I'm not counting the stealth pilot episode of uh, Mayor Children in their, uh... When the failed DVD came out, it was on there, though, I think. Oh, she was in two episodes of Top of the Heap, Christina Applegate. She's not in any of Vinny and Bobby. And she was also on the 1990 The Earth Day special as Kelly Bundy. So, okay, I'll I'll get, you know what, because it's close, I'll give you it. Because it was seven episodes for Top of the Heap and seven episodes for uh, Vinny and Bobby. That's neck and neck. 
And Fred Stoller is the uh, actor in question. Fred Stoller. One of those guys that, like, if you saw him or you heard his voice, you'd be like, I know exactly who that is. Fred Stoller. Mm-hmm. I have to look that up. It's... I can't even say, like, here's the one thing that you would know him from because he's been in a ton of stuff. Oh, yeah. oh my God. He's got the voice like this. Yes. I'm Fred. Oh, and now I got to look up his his filmography. But, and okay. again, he's been in a ton of stuff. Hey, he was an Austin Powers gold member as Melon Guy. <laughs> he was in Joe Dirt as chemistry teacher. Uh, he was in, if if you remember, in Dumb and Dumber as Anxious Man at Phone. <laughs> so, I'm looking over his now. He was in, um, he was in four episodes of The Nanny, Joe. Oh, pharmacist. He was in five episodes of Suddenly Susan. Oh, he was on the Norm show for three episodes. He has a rich and luxurious, luxurious career, Joe. He actually does because he's been in so many things. He was in seven episodes of uh, Everyone Loves Raymond. He was on one episode of Dog with a Blog. He, hey, all right, and he was in twelve episodes of the Penguins of Madagascar, the Penguins of Madagascar, as uh, Fred the Squirrel. That's money right there. Anyway, right. The only thing worse than reading uh, Wikipedia's is reading IMDb's. But yeah, I don't know. Just for the uh, record, I'm on the Wikipedia page for Fred Stoller. So, <laughs> so other than, uh, I don't know, don't watch Top of the Heap, watch any other episode of Married of Children. In the first couple of seasons. Yeah, watch the, and I mentioned it before, watch the Christmas episode where Al's guardian angel is Sam Kinison. That's a great one. Or you want to watch a great one, the one where Al's trying to put the TV antenna on the roof is one of my all-time favorite episodes. Mm-hmm. Because he just keeps sliding off, <laughs> sliding off. And they're like, go out, stand there, stand out there with the kiddie pool. And Kelly's like, but it's all dry rotted. We'll hold it closer to the ground so it doesn't break through when he hits it. And they would always do that gimmick where, like, the way the house was framed, you know, you had that sliding glass door behind the couch. Yep. Mm-hmm. So while whatever's going on in the foreground, you could have your extra, you know, physical comedy shit going on back there. Right. And then the Christmas episode, I still sing, Santa Claus is coming to the Southside Mall. <laughs> that was the commercial. And Santa fell in the backyard with the, with all the, with all the coupons that they were going to throw. And they're like, oh, what could, what could have been worse? Well, at least he didn't hit the picket fence. <laughs> and I think there's another episode where Al is competing with another women's shoe store to sell a certain amount of shoes right. in a day. And that's a good episode as well, because it's it's a bottle episode. It's all Al about the stuff at the shoe store. Right. So that's another good episode. So, yeah, I don't know. Don't watch Top of the Heap. Go watch episodes of Married with Children. That's right. Four, four touchdowns in one game, Joe. <sighs> Classic. Anyway. Yeah. I'll stop there. All right, everybody, thanks for listening to episode 241 of Longbox Heroes After Dark. Al's gals, colon, top of the heap. And uh, we'll be here next week with another uh, After Dark. And, uh, you know, longboxheroes.com, soon to be named network.com, the Patreon that we mentioned at the top of the show. And uh, thanks for listening, everybody. <laughs>